Friends, would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, may your spirit move among us that we may hear anew. Your living word that speaks to us gives us grace, vision, and hope. Through your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Passage today from Psalm 100, uh, which is one that I think sets the tone for what the Reformation was truly and deeply about. And part of the reason that it is uh, celebrated today is they sang this in Geneva most every Sunday. Uh, They didn't have an organ. It was just the people sang loud. Uh, It is from Psalm 100. Listen for the word of the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is God, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Before I begin with this sermon, I wanna say uh, that I have a brother. He and I are playful with each other. We are very playful with each other. And so I always assume that when we talk about people of faith in the Christian tradition, that we are all brothers and sisters and we can be playful with each other. Uh, I'm blessed that I went to ecumenical seminaries. I studied at the Jesuit School of Theology in Chicago and studied in the Lutheran School in Chicago and uh, had all sorts of people from different backgrounds. So I'm gonna be talking about Protestantism and Calvinism, but I'm doing so and any critique that I may bring of any other tradition, it is always with the sense that we are brothers and sisters and reformed and always reforming is what Presbyterians are about. Um, And that reforming love is one that has influenced a great many denominations. It's important that we learn from our history. So this is a history lesson sermon this morning, something kind of different from what I usually do. Uh, I hope it is helpful and I hope it helps us to remember who we are. It really all started for us in July in 1505. On his way home, returning to his university in Saxony, Germany, a 21-year-old law student was knocked off his horse by a lightning bolt. It was a life-changing moment for young Martin Luther. He was so grateful that he did not die, he promised on the spot to St. Anne that he would not become a lawyer, he would become a monk. And within two weeks, he joined the monastery. Why? In those days, they knew that life was short and that death was always lurking nearby, that life was a brief training period for the life to come. The saved, the saved would get an eternity of bliss. The damned would suffer an everlasting torment. That's the worldview that they were in. That was part of what inspired Martin Luther to join a holy order because he figured he had the best chance to get into the good place at the end of his life. 
Well, what happened? What happened is that he ended up studying the Bible. Studying the Bible for seven years, he taught and, and learned. He basically memorized almost the entire Bible. You can tell in the way that he wrote and what he said. And what he saw there was that, that, that the Bible was saying something different than the tradition that he had been raised in and different than the worldview that he lived in. That worldview that he lived in was one that was very much a hierarchy, a hierarchy of the princes, a hierarchy of the nobles, a hierarchy of the Pope and all of the, 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 the folks who could uh, in... <clears throat> In, in, the, in the way that they thought in that time and place, um, be blessed because these few knew it all. These few were closer to God, holier to God. And the rest of the folks were motivated through a system that had a lot of guilt. A lot of guilt. And, and a whole system to help you get over the guilt. It had to do with going to confession. It had to do with play, paying penance. It had to do with, uh, with, with, with buying your way into it uh, through indulgences, buying your way into heaven, and basically sort of coming up with a savings account in heaven so that when you died, you were ready to enter in there. That whole system of guilt was something that Martin Luther came to say, that's not what the Bible says. When he read the Bible, he read it through the cross of Jesus Christ. And he says, in the cross of Christ, it looks very different. In the cross of Christ, it's about God loving us. God loving us so profoundly. And he came to see and to come up with a whole new way of approaching, of, of approaching his religious connection with God. It was a transcendent God who loved us. And so wasn't because of anything we did or any works that we did, wasn't, we didn't deserve it at all. It was by grace alone that we were saved. And, and it was by faith that you came to grow into this and accept this grace. And it was by scripture. So he came up with these three watchwords of the early Reformation, sola scriptura, scola, scola, uh, sola gratia, and sola fides, faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone. That's where Martin Luther started. And part of what happened is that it, it, it focused not on the life to come, it started focusing life here and now. It was the here and now, and you loved God by loving your neighbor. Uh, that's very different than having to, um, to, to, to follow what the, the priest said and what the pope said and what the magisterium said and, and, and to do all these things to get over the guilt. It is a life lived in gratitude, in response to God. And it truly gave a sense of dignity to every human being. The priests weren't better the priests were just brothers and sisters with the rest of us. It was a different life, a different world. It was liberating. Liberating in that, in that you didn't have to follow all of these things that you were told to do to get over your guilt. 
So there was a sense of freedom from the church, but the church was tied up with politics. And, and so there was a sense of freedom from politics. And so chaos ensued. The society began to fall apart. And as it fell apart, Luther didn't know what to do. He'd done so many good things. Martin Luther started the ball rolling. He'd done so many good things and discovered so many th important theological doctrines. But, but when the chaos ensued, there were thousands of people who were killed because society all of a sudden didn't know how to be together. He started out in a mediating sort of way that didn't work. So then Luther wrote one of his most famous uh, books, um, the, the title of which is Against the, Robbery, Against the Robbing and Murdering Hordes of Peasants. After that, Luther wasn't so popular with the peasants. <laughs> he sided with the people in power because he thought they could bring order. And he severed the life of the church from the life of the political world. In that severing, he said the church is about prayer and the, the, the politicians will take care of the rest of the world. The church is about heaven and about things that going on in the life of the church, but the, the rest of the world, they're on their own. Um, that was something that was the beginning of the end of the first segment of the Reformation, because the church became irrelevant. It wasn't connected to what was going on in the world. Uh, and and uh, that is something that Martin Luther just could not conceive of what to do. So it was John Calvin, another young lawyer who didn't mean to be a minister, but became so engaged in studying the scripture, who began to take the Reformation into its next phase. Now Calvin very much was about reading scripture but instead of shutting your eyes, it was about opening your eyes to the transcendent God. Um, and it, it wasn't about just a few people having the, 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 the power or the authority or the knowledge. It was about the Holy Spirit working in a community of people. And so for Calvin and the Presbyterians, you, you didn't uh, go to the confessional and confess to the priest alone you came to the community and confessed there like we do on Sunday mornings, right? Because it's the wisdom of the community where the Holy Spirit works. It's the wisdom of the community where, where people learn. In this tradition, it was a teachable spirit that was what drove them forward. A teachable spirit that allowed them to grow and to continue uh, in, a, in a dynamic fashion, engaging with the world, engaging with scripture. And yes, the law in the, in the Bible was, was uh, celebrated every Sunday. They would read the, the Ten Commandments every Sunday in worship. But, but the law, the Ten Commandments, and even beyond, it was about three things. One, developing a conscience. Number two, it was about restraining evil. That's what the law was about. But the third thing was about being taught by the Holy Spirit to continue to grow individually 
and collectively. Luther kept it in the individual sphere. Calvin brought it into the collective sphere. And as these things are going on, part of what happened was he began to see how you shaped the church so that it could have a sense of order and learning and growing, but the church shaped the city and the church shaped the country. And as they welcomed refugees, the refugees saw what, were, what was going on. And John Knox, that good Scot who wore kilts, right? Uh, the, 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 the John Knox took it back to Scotland and Scotland shaped their, not just church, but their country. And the Scots then came to America and shaped our country. Again, with a sense of the wisdom of the community and the sinfulness of humanity means that nobody has too much power. That's why we have the, 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 the division between, between the executive, the presidency, and the, the Supreme Court, and, the, and the, the, the bodies of Congress. Nobody has too much power. Just like in the church, nobody has too much power. And what ends up happening is you come to decide, uh, to, to discern that, that the Spirit moves among the people and keeps on teaching. But this is crucial in the life of the church. When the rise of, uh, of, of the American Revolution came along, the Calvinists were ready. The only clergy to sign the Declaration of Independence was a Presbyterian minister because they were engaged in the world. That is how it is. And they were engaged in politics. Um, when it came to the rise of Adolf Hitler, the Lutheran church, based on Lutherans' focus on prayer alone, was not ready. The most Christian nation on earth could not theologically think their way out of the rise of evil. Uh, and now that doesn't mean that you didn't have some good Lutherans like, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others that, that weren't trying to do it, but they, they, they were the minority. So our beliefs matter and the trajectories that we head them on matters. Uh, as we gather together, it's important that we remember our history because history is always something that can tend to become clouded and can tend, to become, uh, can tend to become corrupted. So we keep on renewing our remembrance of history so that it can be a dialogue partner to help us remember who God is calling us to be. And who God was calling us to be from the beginnings of our church was a teachable people engaged in the world engaged in the world, engaged in the church, engaged in mission, engaged in the political sphere, engaged in ways that were transformative. Because God is the God of all of life, not just a small part of it. That's our tradition. We gather together today and this, this symbolic uh, bringing forth of the tartan is, 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 is part of our remembering the oppressed people of the world. And it's a call for us to remember our responsibility to be engaged and part of the redemption of the world. Because for Calvin, it wasn't just about being saved. It was about being saved and sanctified. 
about keeping on, caring about ethics in the world. An ethics that always is rooted not in guilt, but in grace, in gratitude. Because what really motivates us is God loves us. And that love is something that needs to be shared with the world. May we remember who we are. May we remember whose we are. In the grace of God, in the love of God, in the faith that we have through Jesus Christ. Amen.